0: I think it's an a universal experience, and we are kind of universally misleading each other by putting so much emphasis emphasis on relationship. it's right. boxed in and boxed in in body consciousness, it's all body consciousness, it's just not the not God consciousness you know in God consciousness, you know you're pure free forever already absolutely perfect, you don't need anything or anybody. Mm -hmm. and that's what guru stands for but I also had to learn that it's not bad to have a relationship if you like to have a relationship that's fine but it's just if you have a relationship thinking that it'll save you from death basically (laughs) or protect you then it's not going to happen rather the opposite it's not going to work out Welcome to A Curious Yogi Podcast.
1: I'm your host, Bobby, and these are my conversations with sadaks, satsangis, and other spiritual seekers. Join us as we discuss and discover what it means to live a spiritual life and walk the yogi's path. Each week, you'll gain insights into your own practice as we share the stories and wisdom of those that walk the path with us. I'm so delighted you're here. Now let's get curious. This week's lovely guest, Petra Strinko, was born in the 60s behind the Iron Curtain in Czech Republic. She is a once-was child psychologist and now full-time sadak. always a questioner on a search for the answers. Petra is my dear friend and satsangi who reminds us in this episode to always stay true to our real questions. She's freed herself of any romantic ideas about relationships, life, and the world in general. She now lives in India and enjoys keeping the legacy of her guru alive and accessible for all those deserving souls who are yet to meet the guru. And this is my favorite bit. She does all that while doing as little as possible. A total delight. I hope you enjoy. A disco
0: for it. It's so funny. We
1: have like, a lot of fun. Oh yeah, yes, we do have a lot of fun. So welcome to the show, Petra or Samadhi Shakti. I'm like we were just saying before we pressed record. I am. I just love you so much. I appreciate you so much. We're so similar, yet you know so different. And I'm just so honored to have you here as my dear friend and my Yi friend. We've shared so many amazing conversations and fun times together that it's just so great to have you here for this spontaneous podcast interview. So welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much. I just want to give back all the compliments and just say that I'm really happy to see you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's so great. And I'm really excited to share your story because like we were also just saying before, it's so fascinating how one can never know who's the type of person that comes onto a spiritual path. It's like, uh, you know, a, a, a match gets struck and the 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 it gets blown and lit, and whoever it gets lit in, and and there's this unifying thread that we all share, but yet everybody's story is so different in the external. So, I'm excited to hear your story. So, um, we usually I just start by asking you you know, what led you to this path to become one that's so spiritual? I know I really uh, admire your commitment to your sadhana. It's so beautiful. So, like, were you always spiritual or how did you get here? (laughs) (laughs)
0: To to the here and the now? Well, I think I've always only understood the path actually in retrospect, because I wouldn't say that I actually ever was on any path. It In retrospect, it more feels like I was like from day, day one as if uh, led towards where I am right now. And mainly I still, even up until today, I just end up wondering when I open up my <laughs> eyes how I got here. this time, or even with the with the movements from here to there, how I actually um, even woke up today. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> and i guess i'll just kind of preface this by saying like you are in india now you're in northern india but you spend a lot of time in germany you sort of flow between this psychiatrist working in the world with your family kind of life and then here in india living this other life you know so like what was the story that kind of merged like how did that unifying life oh, come just- together for you
0: well, if I do think back in retrospect, I think I was always different, as probably many of us experienced. And um, one thing that uh, that was always important to me was to go to India even as a small kid. And um, I just knew I had to go to India. And I had no one and nobody who ever had been to India or who wanted to go to India or could even understand or be, or would even believe that I would ever go to India. <laughs> so I think when I eventually met my Upa Guru, which is the person that led me to the guru, uh, which I all didn't know that I was even searching for a guru, I was never really looking for any guru, or I wasn't even knowing that there was somebody who could bring me there. Uh, it was the moment when uh, I met a person in Poland. Her name was Juliet, is Juliet, who said immediately, oh, yes, I also want to go to India. So I thought, this is my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I just <laughs> became friends with any random person who just picked up that thought that I needed to go to India. So I think that actually led me to, um, to this country that I had um, no relation to or no memory, uh, active memory uh, about, but I, I remember one thing about India that uh, although I, I, I knew nothing about India and didn't even particularly think it was easy to travel to India, in geography, I don't know if you had that in your class that you had to paint the the borders of different countries, and I, all the countries were so boring, and it seemed to like just useless. As the whole school experience was somewhere like really useless, I felt. But when I was doing like, when I was painting India, all of a sudden I said, "Oh my god! Like this is this is this is my place." I just somehow knew that, always knew that India was the place for me to go. And I also knew that. I mean, that is really weird in retrospect. How did I come up with 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 things that weren't really supported in my surroundings. I grew up in Bavaria in a very uh, um, conservative, boring little village, town, (laughs) (laughs) where nobody had similar ideas as I did. Nobody asked questions as I did. But I felt I always, always, always had questions from very early on uh, that I needed to be answered. Do you think that's uh,
1: what... Sorry, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I that's no, what, no. like, an, what initially led you to study psychiatry, like the question, like wanting to answer the questions in the
0: mind. No, no, psychiatry came much, much later. Psychiatry was more. There was really nothing else to study.
1: <laughs> I could think of a few other things, personally.
0: <laughs> And Not really any interest I particularly had, other than the real questions that I already had as a child. Like when I heard my guru much, much later explain how we actually become a human being or how we accept to be this body or how we accept to be this name and form, I very consciously remember the process because that process of becoming a body and a form um in my case happened with a lot of resistance from within (laughs) and i consciously kind of noticed that i was not what people wanted me to be and that i even remember as a child that i knew that i wasn't this name and i have a uh, although i usually for events and stuff i have almost no memory but for those moments where for example my uncle whose name was Peter came and said oh isn't Petra a nice name I consciously remem- remember that I at that point accepted well I might as well have a name but I remember that there was like a long period where I just thought why should I even accept a name or why should I even accept a body like I have like direct memory of phases where I would drink my cup of hot chocolate my mother sitting next to me and by the end like looking in that cup of the hot chocolate I just knew I just knew that I was not this body and I also knew as a five-year-old that I shouldn't tell my mother to not freak her out (laughs) (laughs) but I slightly knew that it was slightly uncomfortable for me too because then i remember that i thought so if i'm not this body who am i then and because i didn't have any information at that point i was about six seven years old i would like repeatedly run to the bathroom mirror to look at myself to convince myself that i am this body (laughs) and then go back and didn't have to tell my mother that I just had this kind of really weird experience, which I didn't know anything about until I later on met my guru. So I think I was just really being led. And, and I still feel like I'm at every step, even every day led to every action that is happening as if, but in reality, not even happening.
1: Mm -hmm. it's so interesting that like as a kid to like verify your body you would go to the mirror and then that like immediately made me think of the mirror analogy which you could probably describe like where we look in the mirror and we then that's like our confirmation that that's who we are but actually the mirror itself is an illusion also but the eyes the mind wants to look and see something as if concrete so we look to the reflection of ourselves but it's yeah. just a reflection it's interesting and and i do
0: have this memory that i had accepted it and then it again went. i went back to non-acceptance and the other memory just according because somehow all of a sudden this came to my head what really confirmed later on what i learned now and how i learned to see myself now was that I grew up in Bavaria and my parents didn't, we were emigrants actually from Czech Republic. I was born behind the Iron Curtain. At that point, it was still the Iron Curtain happening. And um, my parents, when I was two and a half years old, came to Germany and didn't really have that much time for me. And I was too small for some kindergarten. So I was, um, they uh, basically, a lot of times I spent, with a very nice farmer's family who also had a small child that they had me look after. And I remember with that mirror example, I remember that I kind of thought, okay, I'm going to teach that girl that she is this girl and this name because that much I had accepted partially that I needed to learn that. And then I was really frustrated that she would look, she was like two or three years old, she would look in that mirror and wouldn't see herself and recognize herself and i was i remember that i was really worried as this seven eight year old that this this girl was just retarded and didn't recognize <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that's just not so much about me but i think things like that happened to me in my childhood which was kind of out of the ordinary it wasn't explicable by my surroundings nobody told me There was like kind of nobody what gave me an example for these experiences nobody explained to me what was happening to me but I think because of these things happening in my consciousness I really knew that I had to know who I was and I had to know where I was coming from and I had to know that what this birth is and what happened before and where we are going. All these questions that later on, much later, I found were questions of a sadak and a chikyas and a yogi I had, but I thought everybody had them. <laughs> and I just, I still up until now, I can't really believe how how not everybody can have the same questions, mm-hmm. but uh, obviously not everybody does. Um, and those who um, who do have eventually all become my friends <laughs> because with them, I really like to exchange what needs yeah. to be exchanged. Yeah.
1: And those, and those ones that are the, you know, the questioners are the seekers. I also find I'm so drawn to, it's almost like, you know, because it kind of, it's outside of the status quo to kind of yeah. question deeper. And so it can tend to be people, you know, like, I've often in my life felt like a black sheep or like very misunderstood and but now I see that actually that's kind of the blessing like the disillusionment of the Jigyasu the one who's seeking the truth is like it's actually a gift but when you're in the world and you're the weirdo it doesn't feel like the gift so I think it doesn't
0: feel good always yeah yeah Mm. you somehow learned to adapt and I think you also did and and do but but it's always only just on the surface like mm-hmm. it, what we really long is to be really recognized for who we really are and I think that led me in retrospect I would say that led me just step by step towards the like kind of life I seem to be living now
1: mm mm-hmm. when you were like finding yourself confronted with all those like very deep questions did you ever like move towards meditation or other spiritual philosophies or things like that did you kind of explore those pathways
0: yes Yes, i did i mean first of all i asked everybody who i could find and asked everybody the questions like i think in school it was my teacher religion teacher uh religion the my teacher of religion uh, which who was catholic and then i was um I went through some rituals in the Catholic Church just because it was Bavaria and my father had to make a cross of what religion we have. We didn't have any Mm -hmm. coming from a communist country. But so that's how I became Catholic without actually being baptized. And so I was in church and I asked the priest and I asked everybody who I could find about like all these questions, really the questions that I mentioned before, like what the purpose is and what god is i really wanted to know what god is and i did have some amazing uh, meetings even then like i remember the the uh, headmasters of the miss how do you say head mistress head from the kindergarten she was a nun and i remember a conversation i had with her about what god is and how to find god and he, she said to me and i remember that she said petra <laughs> everybody meets god once in their lives um the only thing is do they recognize him so i made a mark in my kind of uh, back in my mind i said okay if i'll meet him i want to recognize him i won't miss him
1: <laughs> so, have, so did you meet him did you yeah, meet I him did in his lifetime? Yeah.
0: yeah i definitely met him <laughs> and i was looking for him and um i was looking for him without actually Believing that something like that existed in a in a in a human form, I could not imagine that at all. But when I met him, I did definitely recognize him and um meditation I somehow also knew I had to do, so I just got books from the library I built my little altar in my little room. <laughs> And I always again, I mean, who told me that again, I I knew to lock my door to not freak out my parents because I knew they could they didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew I had to do something, but I didn't know why I was doing it. So I built my altar and with this book, um, it was a book about meditations that the community around Jesus had done, I found this amazing books, they're called the essence Essen I don't know how you translate them, that group, that first group, um, they had, uh, I followed their meditations for a while. And, um, and then there was a TM group who came to my town who wanted to teach me meditation, but I knew right away that wasn't for me. I didn't like them at all. Yeah. and uh,
1: I had the same experience I'm like what's with this secret mantra like should yeah. the mantras be free and universal exactly I'm not
0: paying for this
1: <laughs> yeah
0: and I don't and like I, you to begin with yeah
1: <laughs> yeah side note
0: yeah. side note yeah yeah but I literally went everywhere that where I thought I could get answers. I remember that in Germany, there is a big meeting of all the churches. At a certain point, I went there, talked to people, but everybody gave me answers. But I thought they didn't convince me. I think I thought, yeah, then the answers are nice, but I needed to know something more. I think that kept me moving or staying open to the questions. But um. I did become more and more um discouraged and I remember that at a certain point with 16 17 I was quite disappointed and and um and thought this is just not worth anything <laughs> like I think it was it was a, a a tough growing up because I was disappointed about my surroundings that nobody had the answers for me um and I was disappointed at people friends who also had similar questions, but then just at a certain point accepted what was expected from them and just did that and didn't stay true to their questions. So Mm -hmm. I had to move on.
1: Yeah, you definitely see like there's this kind of um, earnestness or like commitment for like one who is seeking, even though, you know, in hindsight, we can look back and reflect on those powers that power that kept pushing us forward where yeah. others might just accept you know this illusion and accept this name and this form but there's something in certain people that just keeps us like
0: moving along yeah. towards it's the true the fire it's the guru fire basically burning in us and there's mm-hmm. many incarnations i would think yeah.
1: Yeah, it does sound like many incarnations. Like, what's the power that it gave you at five years old to na- to say, "I don't accept my body"? Like, that's got to be some. You've been on this path for a few incarnations. It <laughs> there was like.
0: definitely some memory, but also that was also interesting. It only happened until I was six, seven, eight, and then it never happened again. So it did that channel that was open from some other birth before did Mm -hmm. go down like it did sort of Mm -hmm. get for a while yeah Mm -hmm.
1: so how did your inquiry shift or pivot when you finally did come to India and meet your teacher like what was that experience like in terms of finding that
0: something or someone that had the answers you were seeking oh I was so relieved I was just it was such a deep, deep, deep relaxation in my system because I knew right away I had found the place and the being that had all the answers. And that was such a shock to my system that I basically slept for three days. <laughs> and up until then, I had quite a serious uh, skin disease, which was was very uncomfortable. and um, And also not curable. And um, that left me within like three days. I just kind of, I just had such a sense of re- basically relaxation. I didn't really understand what he was saying, but I knew he knew me inside out. He let me know he knew me inside out because he told me things that I hadn't told anybody. So that was mind blowing. But even without that, his The meeting with your own self resonated so much with myself that I knew I had reached, and now I could relax. Mm -hmm. So I think that was the main reaction I had. And then I found that I didn't understand a word he was saying.
1: (laughs) Yeah, interesting. Like your being could relax because you knew that the truth was there, but then it's like also probably that's where the lifetime of work really began, where you... I can speak from my own experience where I saw, okay, now I can really dig, but I know yeah. what I'm digging for.
0: Exactly.
1: So how long ago was that, that you came that to India? That's one in day. 91, 31 wow, okay.
0: years ago. Yeah. So 31 years of like, really. That's when I was 25 years old. <laughs> and I had just, oh yeah, at that time in my worldly life, I had just finished medical studies which was great, because I hated to study medicine. It really was just because I didn't know what else to do. And, um, but I had finished it already, I nearly finished it, which was great, because if I had met Swami before, I think it would have been much harder to follow my studies, because I would have been way more torn. But uh, right away, he told me, Don't listen to these people that are living around me. It's not for you. You have to go back. That was a very specific instruction he gave me. He did send me back, not just to finish my studies completely, but um, to be in the West for a good time, to qualify, to work, to make money, to become independent. He kind of somehow knew that my in my surroundings, how this incarnation was being laid out for me, that that was for me the best way to go Mm. to make me independent first. And I'm an only child, which I think a specific position because. For an only child, it's not so easy to just leave home and live somewhere totally different. That was harder. So it had Mm -hmm. to be like a slow. Or Whatever. I mean, these are reasons I'm kind of trying to find in retrospect, but Swami did specifically tell me to go back after I first came. And that was okay for me. But I did make sure that from 91 on, I would come back almost every year for for my holiday for four weeks, and then went back and became like a full fledged child psychiatrist, actually. And child psychiatry, it was because I really found that was the easiest. Mm -hmm. (laughs) the easiest job i could find because i somehow could relate to to um to the kids anyways that was easy and i did i think probably the interest was there like how does a human being become a human being and how does it get disturbed and how can you what is actually a human being how do you become a human being i think that was my motivation
1: and such a like interesting like crossroads of like meeting your guru and beginning on your your professional path like and how yeah. like i i love that in the teachings that like actually the sadhak is and is it's the sadna is everywhere in every element of your life so whether you're in the himalayas at the feet of a guru or you're in germany working in a clinic with children that are in need of psychiatry like it's all yeah. happening From you and how to like what a power to be able to know that and practice that in the world where it's like you know there's a place for being in the ashram of course but like yeah what a strength that he inspired you to cultivate for yourself to know that you can
0: do your sadhana anywhere yeah Yeah. no I always I never really minded to go back and I also never thought that I would actually at a certain point in my life actually end up living in India. That shift happened much later that happened in 2008. By that time, I was 40 something. And that also was totally unexpected. Like, although I always wanted to be full time living in the ashram with my teacher. I knew that was like very, very precious and I was always drawn to be here. I actually didn't really believe that would ever happen, but then it did happen. And I'm very happy that I had like, how much? I think 10 years, 10 full years, like with him day to day, listening to him and being like, I always felt very... I always felt really close to him, I mean, we all do feel close, but I somehow I felt like he made it very easy for me to meet him and to to be myself talking to him, so I just feel that was such a such a great blessing. I just basically said anything that came to my head I always because I knew that he knew what I was thinking and who I was, totally more much better than myself. So I thought, what's the point of hiding anything? Like, this is my chance to actually dig all the questions. It was harder to actually find proper questions than to talk to him.
1: Yeah, I I, I find that something that I appreciate about you is like, and I guess it speaks to, you know, the maturity or the evolution of your awareness for who knows how long or how many lives but that <laughs> you just have that kind of fearlessness where you will put it all out and and where not a lot of people will do that because we have fear you know and like but you are someone who just puts it all out like this is what's in my head let me put it out in front of guru and let it be dissolved like in all of your years has there been kind of a a reoccurring theme, or quote unquote problem, or thing that's come up for you again and again and again, or is it like, what's that? It's been like for in your sadhana.
0: I mean, the theme that he gave me, basically by naming me, he gave me the name Samadhi Shakti, which means the power of oneness. Was definitely to find out what oneness really means and what it doesn't mean. And um I think that has been a wonderful path. Also, whenever he would mention my name and he would often talk about Samadi, it was again like like him calling me, kind of calling me to his awareness. It was more like that, not me the person, but kind of a reminder. So he kind of gave all of us the theme by naming us. That was fantastic to to get us kind of that that solidity of our names and identifications of who we thought we were when we met him, I think that he undid that by naming us. So that was definitely a theme. And along with that theme definitely was came the theme of who am I in relation to others and what is oneness, what is love, what is relationship that definitely had been uh, same throughout. But I think in the first 10 years, it wasn't so much that I was really digging deep, it was more, I had to actually, although I was fearless, and I knew he knew me, I think I had a very strong sense of independence. That was, I think, also a hurdle for me. Because I, I, for the longest time, I felt I needed to be independent, even from him, even from the one who is my best well-wisher that I could wish for because he was there to liberate me from my ignorance. But I didn't know all of that. Like it, it took so long to actually find out what Guru is and who he really was that until I could study him thoroughly and learn to trust him more and more and more and be more and more opened to the knowledge that he represents for me up until now, I felt I needed to be stay independent, like independent means holding on to Petra, nevertheless, too
1: yeah, I can really relate to that, um, yeah, holding on to Bobby, just yeah. me
0: it's, it's me so, it's yeah. so
1: individualistic, like it's yeah. It's so it's so doer, you know yeah, I, me, this, and it just
0: contracts. And it's almost the ego's struggle, like it's about to get dissolved or destroyed and it's holding on to its own entity even stronger. Up until a day, I remember that was definitely a, a turning, one of the many turning points <laughs> with Guru was when he, I ended up in a taxi with him and it was my last day of one of my many stays in Kulu. And I had actually nothing to say And nothing to ask. And he didn't talk to me either. It was like I had this like one in a lifetime chance of sitting there with my guru and I had nothing to say, nothing to ask. And he was most disinterested in me. (laughs) He didn't make it he didn't make it easy like for me. And I was kind of I thought Something is really weird, but I really I don't I don't know what to do in this situation. And then the car stopped and I was about to get out of the car and leave. Cool, like and I never knew when would I come back or when did I have the next chance? And then out of nowhere, it was almost like that. Sentence was also came from somewhere. I said to him, Swami, I think I'm still holding on to the thought that I need to be independent from you, that I need my independence. And in that moment, I had his full attention and he turned around the front seat and looked at me and he said, yes, that's important. He didn't say like you're not independent, but he said it's important to see what you're doing. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: just by that moment that we didn't talk about it more, we didn't analyze it, he didn't explain anything. I didn't ask more. I didn't even know where the question came from, actually, or that statement but then it started to dissolve just by seeing what i was doing i think because it was guru awareness in this car who kind of made me see he made me see he opened my eyes to my individuality holding on to to whatever it thought it was and then it slowly slowly it didn't disappear it hasn't completely disappeared but it started to dissolve and my trust in him being me just grew and grew and grew and grew to a certainty. Like now I'm certain that he's he is nothing else but me and he represents what me really is and he, he can lead me there and that's guru and that's for somebody who hasn't met guru. Hard to explain or to even even when I, I'm noticing, even when I'm explaining it, you can't imagine... A process like that i think that is just really grace when it happens and and somehow this entity or soul was ready for this grace to happen mm-hmm. and
1: yeah it's yeah. interesting like you know we can never Know why like it's the unseen hand that why you had that moment in the car why was your moment to sort of begin to dissolve the sense of ego and I'm wondering how like after that moment did your experience of being you know in relation to others like your experience of love and connection and like independence like how your perception started to shift after that like not only in relation to your guru to swamiji but in relation to others around you your parents your partner your
0: friends yeah well great question bobina that's really a crucial point because i think as a part of me was dissolving more and more into him i still had a sense about me and i definitely had a certain idea about myself and i took definitely pride in what i was doing (laughs) and and part of that uh, was that i was i actually when i moved to india in 2008 i had um moved there with my long-term partner who i had lived with and uh, just uh, yeah just lived with and and wanted to share the rest of my life with and um, he came along with me although that was also unexpected because at a certain point in both of our lives we just knew something had to change we both knew at the same time that something had to change not in our relationship that we didn't question but when I, I I knew when that shift happened basically when it was became obvious that we wouldn't have children together um or we gave up like we tried but we gave up then I knew well if that is not happening then my place is definitely in in Kulu but for him it wasn't clear so he came he came a little later to visit me and then decided to to try to be here for a year and then also ended up living here for 12 years, <laughs> which was great, actually. Uh, but at a certain point, I think your question goes much deeper. And it, it was an, an important, important part of my sadhana was that although I was living in the ashram with my, with my partner, who became more and more my sadhak friend and and. The partnership was kind of dissolving as if because it became obvious that there is really on this path, not really a need for a partner. Actually, in the classic sense, in the romantic sense, we just became really good friends. I think a very shocking moment and humbling moment and and um, was when. I actually thought that I, that I had like understood everything, <laughs> and had done the right thing, and had always lived along like what my guru had told me, and even my relationship became less of a relationship when I fell madly in love. That was that was um, with a very real person in Germany who wasn't on that path yet, at least not not in the same way I was. That was definitely. A moment in my sadhana that was very very humbling because then i came to see that i was holding on to many concepts or that in my structure as a human being there were forces that i wasn't aware of even and everything i had sort of gathered what i thought i was as a sadhak was just not what i was <laughs> And again, that totally took me by surprise and and again shifted and opened me in the end, opened me more to guru than anything. than if that hadn't happened, because again, he took that on in order to explain that experience. He took he didn't on, he didn't just take me on with my confusion, because at that point I was just totally confused and didn't know what my path was and what I'm supposed to do with this. And, didn't even did never even expect that this would happen to me and for a sadak, it's really a drama when that happens when you fall in love like what for everybody yeah. else it's like it's like a blessing for me was like the worst nightmare in my life <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this whole
1: situation is really sounding
0: familiar to me right? <laughs> and i and i just came running back and then guru took me me on and my partner who was still living there and this this uh new um new being in my life including his whole family who now is living here but on top of me <laughs> <laughs> so i mean <laughs> really an interesting roller coaster uh, path with swamiji but i think especially because it at the same time this whole falling in love topic and this whole relationship topic and how it got unfolded and clarified happened in the last years that swami was here as if like teaching us and he didn't really have it was almost like over that topic because in the history of the ashram, everybody else had kind of gone through that topic much earlier. So, <laughs> But still he was there. and And for me, it was nevertheless, it was very stressful. It was amazing to have the chance to have Guru at your side to explain that basic human confusion to you. To an extent that I wouldn't have heard him say if that hadn't happened to me. If that hadn't happened to me, I would be living here still thinking I'm the perfect Sadak, I'm doing the perfect thing, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. actually just holding on to an idea because his teachings wouldn't have actually pierced through layers and layers of human incarnations of looking for love outside of myself in a relationship
1: you just kind of answered my question cuz I was going to ask you like what is the root of that confusion from your experience, but I guess it is that seeking for love outside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then you know, the fear. Like for me right now in my life and my practice, I am looking at what is my biggest fear is being alone. Well, where what yes. is that fear? And then as Swami has taught me as well, like that is the, actually the fear of death. So the confusion comes up, but like, what's been your experience of that?
0: Very much. I mean, I, I just, I think actually it's not, I see now that it's not even my experience. I think it's an, a universal experience and we are kind of universally misleading each other by putting so much emphasis, emphasis on relationship, which is basically just an expression of nature recreating itself in this way but i also again as i remember how i became this child form name and body identified with name and body i also remember in later years that again i didn't know why i was here and i wanted to know that somebody would explain to me why i was here but all my surroundings were just busy with one topic and that was relationship and then i thought well i might as well kind of take part in relationship and all it's confusion, And we just take these topics on. I definitely took it on. It was never really my main first interest to be part of this whole drama. and But we end up playing all these games and dramas just because our surroundings, that's how I experience it, tell us that that's what life is all about and happiness is all about. is the perfect partnership. And if you don't have the perfect partner, you basically lost your alone you kind of missed your incarnation, (laughs) and you'll die lonely and unhappy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I literally just had this conversation with a friend like two days ago, where it's just like, he's like, I'm not whole and complete. And it's like, yes, you're whole and complete. You're so perfect. But it's that conditioning that everyone around us, it says like, but you need a partner you needed. And it's like, what is that in the human experience the human incarnation that has put so much emphasis on this structure
0: of relationship like it's so small and boxed in
1: it's boxed
0: in and boxed in in body consciousness it's all body consciousness it's just not the not god consciousness you know in god consciousness you know you're pure free forever already absolutely perfect you don't need anything or anybody and that's what guru stands for. Yeah. But I also had to learn that it's not bad to have a relationship. If you like to have a relationship, that's fine. But it's just if you have a relationship thinking that it'll save you from death, basically, <laughs> or protect you, yeah. then it's not going to happen. Rather the opposite. It's not going to work out. And you'll be frustrated, mad earlier before you die. <laughs> yeah yeah. it's also
1: interesting like how we've begun to like use the word or the concept of love like you know guru is love love alone is like love with like a capital l but somehow we've integrated our associated love in this other
0: way that narrows it like very much it's not only i would say even contradicts what love is it's the opposite Mm -hmm. of love it's it's kind of yeah it's it's the opposite it's just nature it's property Yeah. yeah
1: so how can one that's stuck or how can just one anyways in general begin to unfold the reality of love like within ourselves you know we know even now we in this kind of mindfulness, self help, new agey thing where it's like, yeah. love yourself first. You know, to, we have the concept that true happiness, peace, wisdom, truth doesn't lie externally. But how can we begin to unfold that for
0: ourselves? I think it's knowledge, right information, and meditation. Like, find out for yourself through meditation. And have somebody who explains to you what meditation is and what it isn't and why you meditate and what it's all about. And then you need to add gyan, knowledge, um, Guru gyan, and Or somebody who's met a teacher who's like sincerely studied the mind and the human predicament to actually explain to you why you're even sitting on your seat, what what, what that is all about mm-hmm. and what... And um, and somehow just opens you up to the fact that you already are the whole, that you already are perfect. And I think only the one who actually knows that for themselves will convince anybody else. If it's theory, like then it's just um, it won't resonate with the being in front of you. So I think we just need more teachers like you, Bobby. And I
1: know that you do offer like meditation to your colleagues and, you know, people in your community in Germany. And what do you feel like or what in your experience has been sort of the barrier or what holds people back from kind of really experiencing that love or self or knowledge?
0: Well, um, first of all, I'm not really offering it anymore. (laughs) Mm -hmm. like that (laughs) that has shifted only when I'm asked and I think in the times I offered it I think I mainly offered it for myself to stay connected Um, and now I don't really go out and teach meditation because I found that the one who really recognizes me is so rare like not me, me, but guru, me, like the big me. And the one who really wants to know is so rare and so special that if that meeting happens, I'll know, they'll know anyways, without me putting out anything. Like I mainly now when I move from the ashram, my focus is on um, staying focused myself and not so much talking to others which i find is a challenge in itself to not get sidetracked in a in a field of different vibrations we have just this amazing opportunity here with this community as you well know that we have an environment that is just very supports the self-inquiry and is less sidetracking us with with Mm putting our attention on things and forms outside and on the kind of quick race that is happening out there more and more mhm you feel like so i find, think it's like, more about you... conserving now my energy than mm-hmm. rather than taking putting it out unnecessarily mm-hmm. to people who don't even need to hear me
1: yeah. Do you find though that when you're in in Germany, people? I guess you said it's the very rare person that's drawn to you that will inquire yes. about meditation or your or India or what yeah. you know
0: or what you study. Yeah. Yeah. I have. Uh, I'm in the very fortunate situation that by now I've met quite a few very beautiful people. Also, people who haven't been to India, who now are my best company over there. And who are very open and just resonate with with what I know, and keep me company, basically, and we inspire each other. So it's really lovely. I'm very lucky like that. But that happened over the years. And it's, it's, if at all, there's always somebody who like there is people who come, but it's, it's one, in a, it's really one in a million. Yeah. Mm
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess too being, I know for me, like being in Canada right now, it's actually a practice to like discern the company which I keep, which before I kind of used to spread myself everywhere and and actually beginning to like know and practice like, yes, it's all oneness. Every being is my own being and reflecting that, but to be very selective with where you're putting yourself, who, what energy you're surrounding yourself, even if people, you know, are meditators or not.
0: Some people are just more spacious in a way. And plus, I must say that I'm beginning to grasp that even though I've done this work for 30 years, there's so much more to discover. Like... (laughs) So, I'm just really eager always to just really not kind of waste my energy no not not that it's a wastage of energy to talk about meditation, not at all like if there is a chance and somebody asks me to, I'm always ready always and and I enjoy it very much but but I find it's a difference the motivation why I need to talk about meditation, and I think in the beginning it was- it was when I'm honest talking about meditation, I needed to hear myself talk about something I hadn't fully understood just to get the reflection from others that that was the right approach,
1: which, well, was, yeah, all that's, fine. which yeah, that's
0: was all fine. Which was also why I started
1: this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's my own experiment of like reflecting something I haven't quite clicked
0: into. <laughs> oh, you, you're so, so far along the way. I mean, <laughs>
1: so I love how you just expressed that like you know you've been doing this work for 30 years and like there's still so much to uncover like where are you at now like what's
0: where are you at now well to be honest I find like every day is totally fresh like it really keeps me wondering where I'm at I actually don't really know. I mean, at this point, I just came back after a very um, busy time in Germany. I'm just landing in a beautiful house, and I, I just um, got in India. And um, But mo- what my interest is now is actually really to just be as steady and quiet as I can and do as little as possible. <laughs> and uh, um and not get sidetracked with this kind of ongoing sense to be like connecting to my surroundings on a social level, but rather go deeper and deeper um in meditation. And I don't mean I don't necessarily mean that I need or want to sit for ten hours a day or so, but just to, to know as much hours of the day who I really who is really moving me what is really moving every, every breath, basically, and to just Mm. be alert from moment to moment. I think that's, that's what I find so fascinating, because in being doing this work and doing this sadhana, it's just I do have a sense it's unending, it's unending, and I'm just beginning to understand.
1: Wow, that's so beautiful and something that you said like really struck me which was do as little as possible which in a world of just non-stop doing and almost like an insanity of busyness and doing this and people not even knowing how to pause or find five minutes to close their eyes or just you know be moment to moment like how radical it is and like inspiring and also necessary that That there are rare beings in the world who are doing as little as possible, which means like giving ourselves the time to reflect and unfold that within ourselves. Like, so to take the guru, gyan, and unfold it through our own experience, it's so rare. Like everyone now just wants to read a book, have an instant fix, check it off, uh, You know, I'm the the enlightened being. Move on
0: to the next experience. Yeah, it's moving on to the next experience. But I think it's not in the experience. The experience is overrated. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I always love to finish the show by asking my wise guests to... If you had to speak to any, to a curious yogi, you know, like I know you love and appreciate me as a curious yogi, but anyone else that's listening to this podcast, that's needing or looking for some inspiration, what are some words of wisdom that you've unfolded for yourself in your 30 plus years of sadhana? What words of wisdom would you leave us with and the listeners with?
0: Well, what totally came to my head right away when you said it i would say to your listeners go meet bobby (laughs) talk to to her get everything out of her that she's learned and is doing every day yeah and and now
1: you've inspired me to just come to india and do as little as (laughs) possible I don't want to talk to and, anybody anymore. <laughs> no.
0: And I just really, I have to tell you listeners, Bobby, I just have to tell my first memory of you. Have you ever told that to anybody? Like how it was for you to meet Swami? A little I mean, bit. Yeah. I mean, can I tell that as an answer? Because that that really was for me, like right away when I saw you today, when we started this interview, like that memory came like so strong. And I just... I even told Atma Shakti today about it. And for me, like experiencing you come and meet Swami was such a powerful, it's always a powerful memory, but with you, it was so special because I had sat with this girl the day before that a friend of mine was bringing in was, who was also meeting Swamiji the, for the first time. And I had as if like taken my time and talked to this girl like two, three hours about Swami, what it would be like to for her it could be like, and how important it is to meet swami and and um and I was really eager to see that happening and then this girl went up to Swami, and nothing happened, neither in her, not <laughs> and nor in Swamiji, like there was just no resonance in in either of them, and then from nowhere, you came up the stage. <laughs> In true dramatic form. (laughs) You just opened your arms and Guru opened his arms and said, I've been waiting for you. Like, where were you? And you just burst out in tears. And and I thought, I definitely talked to the wrong girl. (laughs) (laughs) No, it it was so beautiful. I think I had tears in my eyes as well when you met him. So... I think um, you're such a joodle, so all your listeners who have a chance to meet you, I seriously recommend talking to you in person and and extracting everything that you know, because I also do know that we are we often, I at least, and I would assume you too, try to please that we meet over there and there's so many topics that are actually not relevant so um that we end up having to discuss with our with the people we meet so just um i would say to everybody just really ask you bobby what you know and and listen to you (laughs) to her because she's very 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 special
1: but it is true like that if one's seeking or questioning or trying to find the root or the source of discomfort and unease in life, like to move towards ones who are also on this path who are, I know it's not linear, but you know, just like I turn to you often when I have a confusion or doubt, like cultivating that community around yourself. Like you don't need to even go to an ashram in India. There are highly aware, very committed and, you know, focused sadaks everywhere and just to like keep our attention open to that. Just like when you met that girl that was gonna go to India, you wanted to be friends with her, like stay I think the more aware and awake we are, we just get connected with those right beings at the right time. So yes. And I also would love people to talk to me and come to my yoga and everything. So
0: <laughs> And I, and one, I, one one more thing I would add, I would say Uh, Like to your listeners now, I would say, whoever is listening, just stay true to your real question. Because when you stay true to the question, then there is an answer. You know, like we when I was like at a certain age and I hadn't met the real informal, I was so frustrated because I knew there was the answer somewhere. And just don't be discouraged, but know that there is the answer. And there are so many people who actually can communicate that answer now. That's mm-hmm. That was the work of our guru. To actually, he said that he's not training disciples, he's training gurus. So mm-hmm. whoever met him is a guru, per se.
1: Yeah, and also to practice the patience, like that the answered state is there, and if we can trust that It's there and know it slowly gets unfolded and again unfolded. The, the answered state, like it just keeps getting unfolded, but it's like a like it's lifetimes of practice. So, we also need to remember that. I think that patience is key on this path, yeah, and trust. patience and
0: trust exactly, yeah,
1: and love with the capital L,
0: the capital L.
1: Yes. Well, I think it's a perfect end point for our conversation. So I'll just one last time appreciate you so, so much. Like I'm so delighted to have you as such a dear friend and like you've been so impactful for me and especially these last couple of years, but in my whole nine years of knowing you. So I just love you. I appreciate you. And all your worldly, but mostly your non-worldly wisdom. And <laughs> thank you for taking the time out to just share your energy with the guests.
0: With you. Thank you so much. Love you tons. Looking forward to see you soon.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of A Curious Yogi Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please leave a review on iTunes. It really, really helps the show reach more people. Or share on social. And of course, follow on your favorite podcast platforms so you don't miss an episode. I appreciate the love and I appreciate you. Let's stay curious, connected, and keep walking the yogi's path together. In oneness and delight, this is Bobby signing off until next time.